let's get into our study. Um, uncommon community. And it points to one of the foundational pieces to why this ministry, why 710 exists. We exist to foster relationships with God and then with one another. And, and, the, and that phrase, one another, is mentioned 94 times in the New Testament alone, with 47 of those one another's coming as commands to those who follow Jesus Christ. I want to take a look at a couple of these, these, uh, these commands, if you will, on the one another's. And I'm going to look at the first one is going to be out of Romans Romans 12, Romans 12, verse 9 to 13, and I'm going to read 16. And I just want you to pay attention or, or listen out for how many times you hear that phrase, one another. So verse 9 says this, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. And verse 16 says this, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with the people of low position. Do not be conceited. In Hebrews Chapter 10, there's a section called um, Perseverance of the Faith, a persevering in the faith. And the author of Hebrews, he, he shares this in Hebrews chapter 10, 24 through 25. He says this, and let us consider how to spur one another towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. So, again, these are just some examples that we see throughout Scripture of the one another's and why it is mentioned so many times is what we're going to be unpacking throughout this series. And here's the deal. One of the biggest reasons why we decided to call this, this series Uncommon is because we want to do our best to fight against, to push back on the culture's approach to community. Because the culture's approach to community comes with a consumeristic mindset. What, what can this community do for me? That's countercultural to what the Bible teaches about community. So for tonight, our goal, as, as it is each week, um, we're going to, my, 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 my prayer is that we would walk away with a wider view, a wider view and a deeper understanding of biblical community. And then, of course, that we would all be moved closer to the person of Jesus. So to set the sail of where we're going tonight, I got three questions that we're going to answer. The three questions are the what, the why, and the how. What is an uncommon community? Why is an uncommon community important? And how does it function? We're going to pray for us, and then we're going to get into our lesson. Lord, thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for our time tonight, um, just the ways that you have been extremely good to us. 
Father, uh, I pray um, now that, you know, the country is on pins and needles trying to, um, trying to essentially figure out what the next four years is going to look like. And so I just pray, Lord Jesus, you are in control and that you would allow your spirit to be with your people, to be good examples of how to live in harmony with one another. And I pray um, then tonight, God, that you would give me the gift of preaching and teaching and that you would allow your spirit to do the work in the hearts of those who have ears to hear and, and eyes to see. We love you, Christ Jesus, and we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. So turn to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2. I hope this doesn't do. Is this a good? That was a good spot, huh? And I'm, and I'm moving it. So we, we, we're calling this uncommon for a couple of reasons. Number one, I've never taught at a church service with a hat on. Uh, it's an election night, and I got a whiteboard. So we, we're going to be doing some uncommon things tonight. Um, I'm going to set a grid for us. I hope, God bless y'all on that side. Um, <laughs> we're going to, this is going to be a grid that we're going to, we're going to kind of <laughs> look through tonight. And I'm going to explain what's going on in this whiteboard in just a second. So, this first box represents creation. Let me get on this side so y'all can see. Man, that's, I'm sorry. Just, yeah. This, this box, first box, represents Genesis 1 through 2, creation, and how God created the universe and what that looked like without sin. The second box represents where we are now, this community aspect. This third box represents what heaven is going to be like when, when the Bible calls it the new creation. When Jesus returns, it's going to be a new heaven and new earth. So these are the three boxes or the three kind of the grid that we're going to be working through tonight. So uh, again, turn your Bibles or your cellular devices to First um, Peter chapter 2, and we're going to essentially kind of hunker down on verse 9. Verse 9 is going to be the verse we navigate through for the rest of tonight. It says this, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So I'm going to unpack this verse as we go in tonight, but I, I do want to hit on two um, terminologies that, that was in that text. The first one we're going to deal with is a holy nation. A holy nation is simply this, a, a group of individuals that are set apart to live differently than the rest of the world. This type of community, it lives distinctively from those around them without losing their, their identity as God's people. So that's a, that's a holy nation. And then the second term, the, a royal priesthood. What, what Peter is, is addressing here is that in those days, priests were the mediators. They were the ones that would go on behalf of the people to God to speak on behalf of the people. And then God would relay a message for the priest then to go back to the people of God to give instructions. Well, what Peter is saying here is this. For those who are in Christ Jesus, we all are now priests. 
We're all in this, this royal priesthood together as mediators, no longer needing a middle person because that was satisfied on the cross. So with that being said, let's deal with our first question of what is an uncommon community? If you're taking notes, here's a definition I have. It's a group of individuals, but in our context, I, I love to use family language. So it's a group of brothers and sisters. A group of brothers and sisters who have a shared experience of God's uncommon grace. Let me say that again. An uncommon community is a group of brothers and sisters who have a shared experience of God's uncommon grace. Grace is an undeserved gift. And what makes this gift that God gives uncommon is because none of us deserve it. In the end of 1 Peter, here's what he says in that verse, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. There's some translations that says his marvelous light, something to marvel at. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you know exactly what I'm, what I'm talking about. In Ephesians 2, the apostle Paul, in verse 4, he, he, he uses the language life and death. Like, like going from, I was, I was dead. This is what it says in verse 4. I was, I was uh, but, but God, rich in mercy, because of his love that he has for us, while I was dead in my trespasses, meaning I was unable to, to have a conscious decision to choose life. At that moment, Christ died for me, made me alive with Christ. And if you would, just, just stop for a second. Stop and, and think with me what it was like when you got saved. Just imagine, just, just do, do, quick, quick, like, do, 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 quick second. What was salvation like for you? For me, and on October 16th, 1988, as a seven-year-old little snapper in the backwoods of Tallahassee, Florida, at this little Baptist church. Me and I had went to church with my mom during the week. They had this thing called a revival. And I'm at this deal, and here's the deal. I don't know, I don't know what the preacher's preaching about. I don't know what the choir's singing about. But I just see everybody, like the joy of the Lord is in that place. And everybody, it felt like everybody is experiencing this joy. And so for this little seven-year-old boy, and I'm looking at everybody, I'm like, dude, I, ain't got a, I don't have a file for why you screaming and shouting. I don't have a file for why to preach. Ha! In the Lord. Ha! I'm like, don't, don't. I can't, I can't even keep up. So I'm thinking to myself, I can remember this like it was yesterday. I'm thinking to myself, I, maybe I'm just not going to experience this. So I'm sitting next to my mom. My mom ain't paying attention to me because she's just enjoying what's happening. And guys, I'm, I'm just, it was as if God took the roof off the church and then he came down and touched my heart. 
Can't explain it. Don't know where it came from. Only thing I know is this little boy that was seven years old went from death to life. Went from darkness to, to light. And, and on that night, on that night, I became a part of this uncommon community. I had this shared experience that, now here's the deal. Not all of us have probably the same experience when it comes to salvation. Some of us are a little bit different. Some of us is a process. Some of us do have the, the, the Saul to Paul kind of moments. But either way, if you call yourself a Christian, you have a shared experience of God's grace that makes us brothers and sisters. So as we're looking at the question of what is an uncommon community. Now here's the part, now I'm gonna need some crowd participation. We're gonna go to the whiteboard, okay? I'm gonna, I'm gonna start us off with what I've just mentioned about this community. We are brothers and sisters. We are, hey, don't y'all be laughing now. That's how you get kicked out of class. Um, what else about this community could you, could you picture that we are to embody when it comes to us being a community of brothers and sisters? I'm going to give you one more, and then I'm going to need some crowd participation. We're unified. What else? Servants. Oh, yeah. What else? Just shout it. Wow. Who, what, who, who, what? Loyal? You did say loyal, right? Okay. Now look, this might, y'all might catch me slipping because I might spell something wrong, but just know I'm charging to my, to my head and not my heart. Um, brothers and sisters unified, we're servants, we're loyal to one another. What else? Give me one more. Sons and daughters. Well, that's brothers and sisters too, but you know what? Are we going to How about we... Uh, how about we square that? God bless you. <laughs> give, me, give me one more, one more. Somebody, please, quickly. Mm, my sister. Y'all didn't hear, I don't know if y'all heard what she said, but she said forgiving. All right. To the question of why. So we've answered the question of what. Good Lord. Now, now let's deal with the why. Again, I'm sorry. I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> verse, verse 9. Let's look at verse 9. It says this, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The importance of an uncommon community lies within the responsibility to be faithful witnesses to proclaim the excellencies of Christ. In other words, why are we important? Why is this community important? Because we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to model our earthly father, well, our heavenly father, but our earthly example of Jesus. Because listen at what he declares in John 
15 and 16, he says this, you did not choose me, but I chose you. This is Jesus talking. I, I, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And I chose you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. And whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Jesus is sharing in this moment that we have privilege because he has chosen us. But then that privilege comes with responsibility to bear fruit. We can't bear fruit apart from the vine. Now this language of chosen, being chosen, it can, it can somehow be misconstrued as I'm special and I'm more important than someone else. It's taking it out of context, that's, a, that's not what, what Jesus or none of the, the authors in scripture are actually pointing to. I'm gonna make the argument of this. That language of chosen is actually pointing to our need for a savior because of our sinful nature. We, we actually need someone to save us. And because of the finished work, the redemptive work of the cross, we now get to live under a new status as the people of God. Now there's a lot of correlations happening within this one verse of Old Testament and New Testament coming together and doing this wonderful dance. Isaiah 43 and 20 says this. He, the prophet Isaiah, he refers to us as his chosen people. Exodus 19, 5 and 6 says this. You shall be my treasured possession. You shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. It's as if Peter is quoting Exodus word for word. From Genesis to Revelation, God has kept his promise to restore and to renew his people for this purpose. So if you're taking notes, this is one of the biggest reasons, there, there are a ton of reasons why this community is important. But, but this one I want to highlight for us tonight. We're blessed to be a blessing. Simply put, we're blessed to be a blessing. As children of the King of Kings, the creator and sustainer of life, we should bear the family resemblance. As we partake in this mission of being a part of his family, it's so that we can bless others, so that others would come to know him as Lord and Savior. Our blessedness is found in our faithfulness as we are witnesses that points others to Christ. So to the question of why, we talked about this being the new creation. There's a day that we're longing for, but we won't need another election. There's a day that we're longing for, but we won't, there won't be a need for democracy because we will have the king of kings ruling and reigning. And in that time, there'll be no wars. There'll be no suffering. If you think about the kingdom of heaven, 
what, what comes to mind? Again, this is time for us to participate. Oh, listen at that brother. He must be going through surge. Restoration. What else? Peace. And somebody said something else. Communion. All right. I'll add it. What else? Oh, Perfect. Oh, my gosh. That was glorious. Perfection. One more. One more. All right, I can't lie to y'all. There's a part of me, there's a part of me that pictures heaven having somewhat of a cool breeze, like what we, what we get to experience in Arizona around November-ish till about March-ish. And then, and, then, and then the fall happens and then reminds me of why we're longing for heaven because y'all know the rest of the story. The why, we are to look, give a preview of what's to come that attracts onlookers, that makes people curious about this thing called Jesus, heaven, church, the Bible, Christianity. And this now leads us into our final question of how. How does this community function? Again, I said this earlier that this this community is to be distinctive living counter to the culture. One of my heroes of the faith, um, Tim Keller, pastor and author out of uh, New York, he has this to say. He says, you cannot know God apart from community. Now, that sounds like some strong language. Like, you can't know God apart from community. But then when I start looking at the life of Jesus and looking at how he made disciples, Keller has a point. You had a bunch of dudes. One was a tax collector. One was a zealot. And the zealot would essentially go after those who were a part of the Roman Empire, those zealots would, would wage war against anyone who was connected to the Roman Empire. And guess, guess what? Someone who was connected to the Roman Empire was a part of this group. So you, so you got a little friction there, and then you got a bunch of these fishermen in Judas. These dudes don't have no business being together other than Jesus. And for three years, they ate together, they prayed together, they cried together. Y'all see, oh my gosh, I just had this fun moment. Y'all seen um, SNL when, when um, oh my gosh, Tom Hanks, he dresses up as, uh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I can't believe I just had that thought. Anyway, he's like, if you, you can watch a Tyler Perry movie, you can cry and, and pray and, and, and laugh all in the same movie, that's money well spent. Anyway. <laughs> That one's, that one's lost. <laughs> I'm not getting that one back. <laughs> that just, I don't know why, that just popped in my mind. I'm sorry. Excuse me. <laughs> but for three, three years, those dudes, they prayed together, they ate together, cried together. They watched some horrific things go down, and they watched some miraculous things go down. 
And in that time span, those three years, their lives begin to be interwoven together, spiritually, emotionally, and socially. So, oh, here we go. As an illustration, my son, when he was born uh, uh, May 10th, 2010, there was a lady in our church uh, when we were in Flagstaff. She made this for, actually she made one for my, for my daughter and for one for my son. But this is one she made for my son. Y- y'all see the, uh, the Charlie, Charlie Brown characters, Linus? Like that's how my son was for a couple of years with this thing. He walking around with his thumb in his mouth and got his blankie. So cute. But, but as I was kind of um, doing my studying and, and I, just, I just happened to notice all the different colors and it brought this imagery to mind. This, this beautiful display of colors interwoven together, inter- interchangeably. Like, like you cannot undo this without causing some damage. And it makes this beautiful tapestry, all of life. So, so this, 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 this blanket represents every life in this room, different walks of life. And, and as we're interwoven together, we make this beautiful tapestry. <sighs> However, as a representation of what happens when sin enters into the community, when we lie, when we cheat, dishonor, slander, we rip the very fabric that God has interwoven together. We cannot allow sin to do that, to ravish our communities. Slandering, mistreating, we can't allow that in our community. That's why we need a gospel that's stronger. We need a gospel that's going to challenge us in ways that we've never been challenged before. We can't rely on our own self-doing. So when thinking about, now we got to cut the corner a little bit back to the whiteboard here. So when thinking about creation, when, when, when God is in the, the, the garden with Eden, with Adam and Eve in the garden of Eden, what was that like? All right, I'll start you off. I love this word shalom, which means total peace, not just making the chaos go away. Shalom means there's perfect harmony in every relationship. We're given the mandate to, there's another word, cultivate, meaning take care of creation. Imagine life without sin. That's what we get here. What would life be like without sin? Beautiful. Come on, what else? Oh, I'm sorry. What was that? Complete. That's a beautiful word. Nurturing. Definitely spelling nature. How about, how about, ooh, see, okay, so how about full satisfaction? 
happen. All right, that's enough. Again, I'm so sorry. So sorry. So what happens is, here's a beautiful picture now of our role and our responsibility. We are to be a picture, this community, we're to be a picture of creation And we're to be a taste of the new kingdom. If a community of brothers and sisters unified, serving, loyal, and forgiving one another, living in a way that points us to how it was in the garden, we are to be, I like to use this language, pink spoon. If you ever go to Baskin Robbins, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Example of what's to come. Where there's no wars, no suffering. Where there's total restoration and peace, communion with one another, living in harmony. That's our role, ladies and gentlemen. The so what of tonight lies right here. That as this community who has been totally shaped and formed through the gospel of Jesus Christ. This uncommon community that Christ gave his life a ransom for, that he would, he would with his life, his death, his resurrection, and now his total power and glory sitting at the right hand of the Father, would be used to draw us into his new family, this new humanity, we have a role and responsibility to be the picture of the creation as we are a foretaste of what's to come. I'm going to invite Connor and the team up as, as they're coming. So my wife, in the, in the back, in the back at the connect desk, these are little strips of the, the, the fabric there. There's about 100 or so of these. Listen, this is what I want you to do. Take one. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and you are wanting to be a part of a community, but, but check it out, this community, take one in the back, put it in as a, as a bookmark, put it as a, um, a reminder that whenever you see this, your part in the bigger picture. Your little role, that is very important, by the way, into the role of the bigger picture of being a taste of the kingdom. So with the next five minutes or so, this is what I would like, like us to do. We're going to go into a time of prayer. And let's, let's be honest. I mean... <laughs> the election is on everyone's mind. There's two things I want us to be praying for. The first one is each other, and the second one is for our, our country. I, I don't know what's up ahead tomorrow, the end of the week, a couple of months. I, I don't know what, what's ahead. I know who's in control. I know who is sovereign. I do know that. And so let's spend some time, again, praying for each other, being in community, having our lives, taking the first step of community by having our lives interwoven together. 
and then praying for our country. Go ahead and do so now.